Hi, my name's Helen Robinson. I'm the lead nurse for children and young people's transition here at Leeds Teaching Hospitals Trust. I'm joined today by members of the Hospital Youth Forum and consultant in infectious diseases and immunology, Sean O'Riordan. We're aware that there's lots of information out there about coronavirus for adults, but much less so for children and young people. We asked our Hospital Youth Forum to become involved so that they could ask the questions that they wanted to and so we could hear the voice of young people in Leeds. We also wanted to give them opportunity to have these questions answered by a clinical expert. Here's what they came up with. I'll hand you over to Sean and Laura has the first question. Hi, I'm Laura. Um, can you get it from the air outside by breathing it in? So, um, in general, the answer to that question is no. Basically, coronavirus is spread mostly by large droplets. So if you're coughing and sneezing, you know, you see that spray comes out and that spray goes to the ground or lands on the table or lands on your hands. So if someone were to sort of cough in your face, then yes. But no, if you're just walking around or you walk past somebody who's got COVID, no, you wouldn't get it like that. There's certain specific things that we do in hospital that can sometimes create the sort of very fine spray that can hang around in the air for a while, but those aren't things that would happen out and about. Sally, did you have a question for Sean? I heard about people washing their food in like the bath after they've been shopping. Should we be doing that? In general, I think you'd have to say that if you've got obviously fresh fruit and veg and produce like that, and if you are vulnerable to infections, that in general you should be washing that, whether it's soil residues or other people sort of touching it, you know, that's going to be a good idea. Obviously, a lot of other foodstuffs come in packaging, so the stuff that you're actually going to eat um, uh, won't, um, won't be affected by, um, by the virus because it's inside the packaging. In terms of how long the virus can live, that depends a little bit on the sort of surface that it lives on. So smooth surfaces like plastic, they've shown that the virus can live for sort of three days. But, and I think this is important, actually the virus is quite susceptible to any sort of wipes, any sort of soaps, any sort of cleaners. So, um, so personally, I don't do that. Um, I don't think putting it in the bath is appropriate. If people are wiping down plastic packages, I think it depends on level of risk and your attitude to risk. But certainly I wouldn't be recommending necessarily that everybody does that. Because what you're saying is that somebody with COVID, i.e. someone who should be at home, has come, picked that up, put it back on the shelf, and then you've picked it up. Great question. Over to you, Tabitha, the next question, please. Could pets, for example, dogs, act as a vector by going up to people on walks and then back to their owner? I think that's very unlikely. So we have shown that in a few instances, cats and dogs can be infected with the coronavirus, um, but all the spread seems to be people-to-people -people transmission. So, for example, I mean, in some places in the world, where there's been a lot of transmission. Obviously, there are a lot of pets or a lot of stray animals, and we're not seeing patterns that suggest that they are potential vectors. 
So, and we've not seen circumstances where um, where pets have seemed to infect it, infect someone. Um, in general, um, we don't see companion animals as being a source of these sorts of infections. And the other um, uh, issue that with the companion animals really is, I suppose if you are someone who's vulnerable to infections, it's questionable whether you should really be having your dog slathering all over you in the first place or whether you should slightly keep your distance. Our next question is from Isabel. Hi, I'm Isabel. Um, when out walking, do we need to worry about the virus being on gates, gates, tiles, etc.? Yeah, so I thought this was a good question. And the answer is a bit. Um, so this virus seems to last longest on smooth surfaces. So of the specific examples that you have given, I suspect that the virus might only last for a few hours rather than the matter of days. In general though, I think it's, it's good to be trying to avoid touching your face, trying to wash your hands when you come in from walks, trying to avoid the sort of handshaking. I think if you remember at the beginning of the epidemic there were issues about people not shaking hands and touching toes in those times when we were actually allowed to go out and meet people. Um, so yes, I think if people are out and about and people have got the infection, then it's very much those sorts of things, not maybe so much gates and styles, but door handles, etc., that could um, uh, harbour the virus. And sorry, the solution to that is hand washing. It's the solution to that, it's hand washing and trying not to sort of touch your face if you can. Great, John, do you have a question for Sean? Yeah, um, if my parents go out to work, do I need to try and stay away from them in case I've got the virus without knowing? Oh, tricky one. Probably the trickiest question of all so far. Um, so I think it depends a little bit on what your parents do. Um, uh, as to what their risk is um, and this is one of those situations where I think I would be looking at balancing uh, risks. So I think the first thing that we know is that children and young people in general do not seem to be particularly severely affected by this virus and even children and young people with a lot of underlying conditions despite the sort of government position, um, the, the sort of when we look, for example, in Italy, they've, they've uh, given us data on a lot of their children who are on uh, immunosuppressive therapies and showing that actually they don't really seem to be getting severe disease. So you've got that to balance. Of course, anybody who is mixing with other people in this area, it's always potential that they might um, um, pick up the coronavirus and certainly we, we suspect that people can be infectious for a, a short period of time uh, before they develop symptoms. But whether you need to distance yourself from your parents and the downside of that, given the fact that probably, you know, even were you to get it, you, you, you wouldn't get it terribly badly. I think that's one of the situations where I'd be balancing 
the, the risks really. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I think, does that, does that make sense to you or does that not really answer your question? No, that makes sense. Oh. Does taking ibuprofen make the virus worse? So um, the, the, the short answer to that is we're not quite sure. The longer answer is probably not, but there was some suggestion um, that, um, that it might do. So I think it's very clearly dependent to me on what are the reasons that you're on ibuprofen. So if you are on a high dose of ibuprofen because that's what you need to control your chronic pain or joint inflammation, then I definitely wouldn't be recommending um, you know, people stopping that because the benefits of that far outweigh any theoretical risk. If, however, you know, you're feeling poorly, you're bunged up, you've got a headache and you've got a choice of what to take to make you feel better, then I'd probably err on the side of taking paracetamol rather than taking ibuprofen. So maybe, probably not. What happens if I run out of medicine? So, um, obviously what actually happens if you run out of medicine depends quite a lot on what your underlying condition are, uh, is, um, or conditions are. Um, essentially, the important thing is not to run out of medicine by keeping on top of how much you've got left at home and making sure that you're getting in touch with your teams well in advance. Uh, now, the, um, the, the hospital is trying to uh, ensure that medicines can be delivered out much more than usual, or at least delivered out to somewhere that's much closer to home for people to collect. So I think the answer is um, to make sure you don't run out of medicine by making sure that you keep on top of things and usually, I would say, the period of time that you should be talking to your team um, about things is, um, is uh, when you're down to two weeks supply, uh, because that normally gives enough time for everything to happen together. So, so Sally, please. Can you wash your hands like, too, much, too many times in a day? In, in general, the answer to that question is no. However, you know, we do know people who have compulsive behaviours where they feel a need to wash their hands over and over and over again in quick succession, and that clearly isn't necessary. Um, the, there'll also be people who've got underlying skin conditions where actually washing your hands is more problematic. Although in that situation, if you've got bad skin in your hands, if you've got something like Dermal 500, that's both a cream and an antiseptic, then that's a good way to do that. And even for people who don't have a skin condition, but you've got sensitive skin on their hands, or it seems to be getting really dry, then things like Dermal 500, that are a combination of a cream and an antiseptic, are a good use. The other thing that I tend to do in hospital is obviously alternate a little bit between hand washing, which I always do whenever my hands are physically dirty, and um, using hand gel. Um, I think one of the things that's important is washing your hands properly. Um, so there's plenty of videos online about how to do that, but making sure that you cover the bits that you usually miss out, so particularly fingertips because normally we're quite good at washing our palms and the backs of our hands 
um, bits of our fingers. We often leave out our thumb and we often leave out our fingertips and those are obviously important touch areas. So it's making sure that we're washing our hands properly and if you do use any sort of gel or other hand decontaminant that you do the same sort of motions that you would do with washing your hands in terms of uh, using the gel. And Tabitha, how contagious is it on average? So can an infected person leave the virus on anything they touch just once, for example, lift buttons? Yeah, I think that depends on how, um, on how they are. So obviously this virus um, isn't generally on our skins. It's in our mouth, our nose, our cough, our sneezes. And so uh, if you are good at making sure that you don't cough and sneeze in your hand, if you're good at making sure that you're keeping your own hands clean, then obviously that's going to limit the amount that you can leave on surfaces. But yes, if I sneeze straight into my hand and then open a door, that's, that one touch is enough to leave some virus on there. And then depending on obviously how much snot I left on the door handle uh, and, uh, and whether anyone came and cleaned it afterwards, that could be there for, um, well, stainless steel, you know, could be there for days. And Isabel, your next question for Sean, please. Uh, can you have coronavirus without having the typical symptoms like a high temperature and a cough? So, yes, you probably can. And this is one of the things that sort of become uh, apparent uh, a little bit more as time goes on. Uh, so the first thing that I would say in general, small babies and people who've got um, seriously weak immune systems tend to have atypical or more of them have might have atypical symptoms so for example uh, tiny babies if they get influenza if they get the flu many of them might just have a fever instead of a fever and a cough and a runny nose many of them might present with a fever and diarrhea and vomiting instead of a fever and a cough and that can be true of people who've got weak immune systems as well. Um, the vast majority of young people and adults, I would say, would have, uh, would have more typical symptoms. However, those symptoms could be quite mild. So you could just have a little bit of a cough or you could just be feeling a little bit poorly um, and, have, uh, and have coronavirus. And John, your next question, please. I might struggle with pronouncing this. Um, can taking medications like antihistamines, that's definitely wrong, um, increase the risk of catching coronavirus? Antihistamines? Yes, that's the word. Okay, uh, so no, antihistamines would not increase your risk of catching coronavirus. And actually, we don't really know about whether there's any medications that can increase your risk of catching coronavirus. So we worry about things like steroids and uh, other treatments that dampen down the immune system, that they might affect your risk. Um, but actually, um, there's, there may even be some suggestion that they can prevent you getting severe illness from coronavirus. So at the moment, we, we wouldn't be recommending that anybody stops taking any of their regular medications for worry about the impact on coronavirus because 
The answer is, A, we don't know, and B, from what we do know, it seems pretty unlikely that there's any medicines that really have an effect on the coronavirus and the disease. Becca, your next question, please. Does drinking hot drinks help to reduce the chance of getting symptoms in your lungs as it washes the virus into your stomach? No. So I think that... Um, what viruses are quite good at doing and, and how they how they are designed to do things is they're designed to latch on to soft surfaces like the inside of your nose, the inside of your mouth, your throat. So they don't need to be there very long before they're firmly on and starting to grow. And Laura, your final question please, Michelle. Should I be worried about going to my hospital appointments because people in hospital have it? So we're generally trying to reduce the number of people who come to hospital um, and I don't think you should be worried about coming to your appointment if you need to come to your appointment because all of the medical teams have been looking at those people who can be seen with video or at home um, or sometimes, for example, we've been looking at those people who we can see and talk to who are at home but then still need to come in for blood tests and then they just come in for their blood tests or even go to their GPs for their blood tests. Um, I think because it's spread by large droplets, that's why the distance is important. So for, for most times, it's about you know keeping a couple of meters away from people and then you should be reasonably safe but paying attention to the hand hygiene etc because yes i expect that probably on balance there will be more door handles in hospital that will have coronavirus on just because that's where the people are but no i don't think you should be as long as you're paying attention to your distancing and your hand hygiene I don't think you should worry that you'll come to hospital and get coronavirus. The other thing that as it's becoming more common in the community that we're sort of all starting to do, and you might notice if you do come to appointments, is we're all starting to wear surgical masks when we're seeing people. And that's probably more to stop us accidentally infecting people if we're in the early stages than it is about protecting us. But more and more of the people you'll meet in hospital who are going to be seeing you direct like face to face within that small distance, you'll find will be wearing masks. Will it ever go and if it does, could it come back at another time? Yeah, very interesting question. So, um, no and yes, but the no is slightly complicated. So the problem with the coronavirus at the moment is it's a completely new virus to humanity and so none of us are immune, okay? So whereas if you think, for example, I don't know if any of you will remember, probably not, the swine flu outbreak. So that was about 10, 11 years ago. Um, and that was a new form of flu, although it was flu. And it did make a lot of people sick, although not as sick as the coronavirus. And the next year, that virus just became the regular flu virus and the regular number of people got it because during the epidemic, a lot of people had had it and become immune to it. 
So then it's just the usual people who haven't seen it or new babies being born who haven't got it. So I don't think the coronavirus will ever leave us. However, we will get to the stage where enough people have got immunity that it won't be causing the sort of chaos uh, that it's going to do. Um, your question, though, is interesting in another way, which is basically saying, OK, so we're all in lockdown. At some point in time, that lockdown's got to end. And if that lockdown ends, will we see another spike? Uh, and the answer to that is quite possibly. Um, we don't know yet. And I think that's why um, we, we, in some ways, we have a slight advantage being behind Italy and a little bit maybe behind Spain so we can see what happens. Uh, in China and Italy when they reduce their, their restrictions and we can see what happens. Um, but yes, there's no doubt that as we reduce restrictions, there could be another spike. Uh, the aim that we've got is for those spikes to, to be lower. Um, and eventually enough people will be immune that it won't be the big problem that it is. Uh, how long will we need to carry on social distancing before it makes a significant difference? Yeah, so that's another very interesting question to which, again, we don't quite know the answer. Um, and again, hopefully we may find out uh, from, um, from uh, the experiences in, um, in uh, Italy and the experiences in Spain and China. Um, a lot of what we're doing at the moment is based on mathematical models. Uh, those mathematical models uh, can be quite detailed. So, for example, one of the ones that's, uh, that a lot of the work has been done on in the UK so far, they take data from the national census about how many people are living in each house, the sort of age distribution of the house. They take data on studies that have been done looking at how people mix with one another. They've got employment records, they've got size of, uh, size of workplaces, they've got distances to workplaces. So they can build really detailed models um, and then they've got information about how the virus spreads and how close you are. So they can factor that in and obviously these days just jam all that into a computer and see what comes out and see if you change certain factors, uh, what happens. Now, the model that we're working on at the moment, um, you know, I think would predict that if we relax after a few weeks, then things will explode again. Um, and actually, you're looking more at, at months. Now, obviously, that's a big balance across the country as a whole. Um, and these are only models. So that's why those decisions are pretty complicated. But uh, my anticipation is that we're not going to be relaxing these restrictions anytime soon. And Isabel, your last question for Sean, please. Uh, is hand sanitizer as effective as washing your hands? Yeah, as long as you do it right. So that sort of comes back to my question, you know, my issue about hand washing is good as long as you do your hand washing right. And hand sanitizer is as good as washing your hands for coronavirus. It's not as good for some things, but for coronavirus, it's as good as washing your hands as long as you do the same steps, the same motions to make sure you're getting sanitizer over your whole hands as you do when you're washing your hands. 
And John, your final question, please. Can you get it from kissing someone? Uh, yeah. Absolutely, if they've got it. That's about as close as you can get to, uh, to, uh, to uh, giving the virus. It doesn't even have to hop through the air then. Once someone's had the virus, are they immune to getting it again? So that's another very interesting question and one that we hope to have more data on. Um, the answer to that is almost certainly yes. Uh, the areas of uncertainty are because uh, there have been the odd uh, case where somebody's tested positive for the virus again. Um, but in those situations where that does happen, it's very rare for that person to get sick again. Um, and uh, often they're not as infectious when they get it again. Uh, I think the biggest question mark for us is over those people who've got really seriously weak immune systems about whether they're actually going to be able to mount a good enough response first time round or whether they are uh, uh, going to be uh, exposed. So in terms of the general population, I expect that we will have an answer to that question um, probably within a few weeks. In terms of people with very weak immune systems, because obviously there are much fewer of them, it's probably going to be a few months before we can be sure about that. How long does it live on materials? How long does it live on materials? Yeah. So, um, so there have been two studies uh, that have looked at that um, and they disagree with one another slightly, although their general findings are similar. Um, so on some materials like copper, it just lives for a few hours. Uh, it seems to live a little bit longer than some viruses on surfaces like cardboard where it could live up to a day and on smooth surfaces like plastic, stainless steel, it can live for three days. One study even said seven days. Um, obviously the amount that's living there decreases with every passing hour. So what they're saying is after three days on plastic we can still find some but it's nowhere near as much as we could find after an hour or two. Um, but yes, I think, I think it's why it's really important about, um, about keeping you know, hand hygiene really. Um, the other study they did that's interesting in that regard um, is they looked um, at, uh, so if they looked at like a hospital cubicle or hospital room where there'd been a, a COVID patient and basically they could swab pretty much every surface from basin to loo to top to cupboards and find virus there. Um, they didn't find virus in the air. Um, and uh, also once that cubicle had been cleaned, uh, they didn't find any virus. So, uh, so uh, yeah, it can hang around for a while. Um, it's important to try and keep surfaces clean, but around the house mostly it's important to keep your hands clean because if you're not taking virus from your hand and sticking it up your nose, in your eyes or into your mouth, that virus isn't going to infect you from your hands or through your skin. It's got to get to your mouth, nose or eyes. Great, thank you so much Sean for all, um, for all of your advice and, and um, responses to the question. Thanks guys for joining us, um, stay safe and we'll be in touch with you soon. Thanks guys. Bye. 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 Bye.